0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of So Important. A couple months ago, we had the distinct pleasure to speak with the legendary guitarist Steve Hackett. Steve, along with Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins, Tony Banks and Mike Rutherford, was a member of the venerable and esteemed band Genesis during that group's classic period in the 1970s. Since then, Steve has enjoyed a prodigious solo career, releasing well over 25 solo records and more on the way. When we last spoke with Steve, we talked about his ongoing tour and all the things he was up to as he prepared to tour the United States with his stellar bandmates. Now we are celebrating the imminent publication of Steve's autobiography, A Genesis in My Bed, which will be released next month. Steve's book recounts his time in Genesis, but also talks about the making of many of his groundbreaking solo records. And we get great insights into what led Steve to take up the guitar in the first place. Steve and I talked about his much-anticipated book, and I am happy to share our conversation with you. So with that, here's my conversation with Steve Hackett. Now, Steve, uh, before we talk about the book, I'd like to pick up where we let off last time, where I mentioned that I was going to attend your show in D.C. in early March. I did. It was fantastic. And a week or so later, you were shut down, weren't you? That's right.
1: Yeah, along with everyone else, we were shut down, indeed.
0: That's right. (laughs) I gather you've been pretty busy during this time.
1: I have, yeah. I've been busy recording, uh, writing and recording, as musicians do. And um, yeah, it's actually been a very productive time. I'm, I'm working on two projects at the moment, and they're both going very well. Uh, but I'm quite picky, so I, I, I tend to work slowly. But having said that, I tend to get albums out at a fast rate of knots. But it, it, the recording pro- process is always like watching paint dry. You get it absolutely perfect, it, lifelong quest. We always want the Immaculate Conception, and uh, you know it comes out of breach birth most of the time.
0: Well, I, I don't know if I would agree with that, but I think one of the things that you've gotten to do at, during this break clearly is to uh, finish this book. It's a it's yeah. astoundingly up to date, isn't it? Uh, it is, yeah. It is. It is very up to date.
1: Um, there were a few things added just really at the last minute. It, it'll be out in in July, July twenty fourth, and uh, this is it. First book under my own name. This
0: is it. And what led you to write this book?
1: You know, I started it 15 years ago. I'd been working on other people's books. I'd been interviewed a lot for other people's books. Many books on Genesis, one or two written about me. I think the last one that I did, you know, the the, the Alan Hewitt people were always saying, um, oh, I read your book. And I said, well, actually, the book isn't by me. It's a series of interviews. Sure. It's very different when it's coming from the horse's mouth. There's certain things you'd like to say differently, and you can consider that with the written word as opposed to the spoken word, which we're enjoying at the moment. But, yes, you have spontaneity with the spoken word. But when you read it back, you think, oh, I really wish I'd been able to say this. And uh, I haven't quite got my message across. So um, uh, writing is it's very different. And there's lots of rewriting, of course. First time you write, you think, oh, I've got it all down. But you read it back and you think, well, I need to be more accurate. I need to be uh, more atmospheric, more entertaining, insightful, revealing, all of those all of those things.
0: Well, I think you, you hit the mark as I read the book. And I, I just want to say as a general impression, uh, what really struck me was the tone of voice. You come across as a person who doesn't look backwards with a lot of regret, looks for the positives in life, and really appreciates the career that you continue to have.
1: I think of life as a line. Nobody knows when that line stops, but Uh, I sure as hell want to pack in as many things as I possibly can uh, between now and and oblivion. And um, I think the older that I get and the more experience I have, the more I want to be able to share those things, whether they happen to be musical or whether they're in terms of reflection and the reason why I've led my, my life a certain way. You know, when, you, when you're young, it seems like a, a haphazard thing. You're just trying to make your mark scratch on the wall. And I, I guess your intentions are fairly fairly bland. When I, when I started out, I wondered if I would be able to make a living as a musician. I didn't start out with the idea that I'm going to be Madonna. It's not like that. I don't think it's like that for the British. But I did, you know, a number of jobs for five years before I... I um, hooked up with Genesis. Didn't mean I was idle musically. Far from it. I was rehearsing every available night with one outfit or another. But that gives you some idea of the mindset.
0: Well, you talk quite a bit in the book about those early years. And I'm wondering if you can uh, share with us what led you to the guitar and how did that lead to Genesis? And you had a wonderful want at that Peter Gabriel responded to, if I recall.
1: I think the first guitar that I actually touched was one that my father brought back from Canada. It was a big beast. I could not really get my arms around it until I was about 12. And then I started twanging away on the bass strings. At the same time, um, guitar bands were all the rage. Instrumental stuff, cowboy songs, The Shadows. um, Those um, guitar tunes were all important. Once you could get your head around some of those, then um, you were up and
0: walking, if not exactly running. But that wasn't the music that you uh, ended up playing. You put in you had a lot of classical influence in what you did as well.
1: That's right. There, there, there was. I mean, I started out thinking of myself as a blues player because uh, it seemed like all the sonic developments that were happening in the guitar were happening around the blues. And so, you know, lots of people that are in the area that I'm in often say it's it's blues that really engages them and is what fired them up initially. But um, an interest in that uh, was paralleled by an interest in, in, in Baroque music courtesy of Mr. Segovia playing Bach. And um, I thought that was absolutely miraculous. And I wondered over time whether I could take on board an influence of that without subscribing to it totally. And um, I didn't really want to, to learn in the way that I think that he had, you know, uh, learning to read music and learning to play Bach perfectly. I, I didn't want to do that. I, guitar was a symbol of freedom for me. But these two separate strands came came together, blues and baroque. coming closer and closer together. They were both influences that that really met up in the middle with what we call progressive. Uh, Progressive music, of course, ideally is music without any prejudice. You you should be able to have a classical influence, a blues influence, uh, a jazz influence, pop, rock, you name it. It should be an all-inclusive form. And so when I got that call from Peter Gabriel, it was as a result of the ad I stuck in Melody Maker which was something like a uh, guitarist writer seeks receptive musicians determined to strive beyond existing stagnant music forms something like that so here's me saying this and I barely ever really written the tune at that point but all was aspiration and I knew that I wanted to find uh, an idealistic band that were driven and to write new stuff and, uh, and to go off on sonic adventures which is what I had with Genesis
0: It's it's obvious from the book that that was a very special time in your life. And you were making great music with really top shelf, enormously creative musicians, as you say, and not the least of which was Peter Gabriel, whom you seem to have a bond with.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Peter and I shared a lot of ideas, especially in the in the early days, um, not just about music, but in terms of the way music could be presented. I think we both got our wish. I was interested in the band acquiring a light show and a Mellotron and a synthesizer and to be cutting edge and all of that and, and Pete started to depict the action in songs and and to live the narrative and to personify the music so I think with his sense of theatricality was it was a, a heady mixture because we had a bunch of decent writers I, mean, I thought of myself as an up-and-coming the other guys had written more than I had and more than Phil had at that point Phil Collins um, but we were to catch up um, I think we made. A lot of really very interesting music. Um, I'm still very proud of, of uh, lots of it. Uh, and of course, I've, I've done these uh, Genesis Revisited shows and Genesis Revisited albums. And they, in a way, have given me um, a platform all, all over again to share everything that I've ever done.
0: When I think about the Genesis work, it seems you also had Tony Banks, Michael Rutherford, and of course, as you mentioned, phil collins that's a pretty enviable crew but you fit right yep. in and my sense is that there was a little bit of a shifting alliances at times
1: um i think uh, alliances happen within bands you tend to get factions uh i think that phil and i when we first joined we were the new boys and we tended to write things together and orientate together i think only and mike tended to be another faction uh which left pete out on a limb a little bit and um I didn't always follow where Pete wanted to go, um, but lots of times he came in with really extraordinary stuff. And I think the whole team were either brilliant or became fluent working on each other's ideas. And very often there might just be a piano part that over time Pete would come up with something which, which was an extraordinary melody and lyric to go with that. And uh, it was constantly surprising. Um, and I had to really work hard. Uh, To keep up with that, I I was very much a detail freak, and I was very much interested in sounds. And um, I I was hired on the basis that Pete said, "If you write guitar parts, you're a fully fledged writer with the band." So I tended to um, take that quite literally, and um, and many albums I'm very proud of, as I
0: say. And you know, here you made this great body of music, and even after Peter left, you guys put out two albums that were uh, clearly very strongly in the progressive mode, and things were going great with the band but you left on your own volition didn't you uh, you you wanted as you put it in your book you wanted to push through that open door and see where it led there were
1: certain restrictions working with the band i did a, a solo and um i don't think anyone was expecting it to be a hit and, and uh, it was and um it, it created certain difficulties politically within the band you know suddenly there's there's this instability we lost our lead singer the guitarist is off doing this. Um, Phil was doing another thing with Brand X, and uh, Mike was going to be doing something with Anthony Phillips. And it was really only Tony who was writing specifically for the band. Now, you know, so accusations were flying at times. And but I felt that it was creatively very important for me because it meant that I really switched on the tap and I started to come up with a lot of ideas. So I couldn't be accused of not coming up with ideas as a result of that. So I, I think the things that that stop people are. For instance, people might have a dream about something and then they think, oh, I probably won't be any good at it. There's that small voice inside you that tells you you're not going to be any good at something. And you've really got to put that to one side uh, in order to explore something and say, no, I'm going to put myself forward. I'm going to try out these ideas. I'll just work on the strongest ideas and I'll make the weaker ones work. And I've carried on with that idea. Uh, You can never fail if you keep trying.
0: I think that sense of exploration captures the solo career when you write about it in the book there's a sense of enthusiasm you have about every step of the way as you as you progressed over time so you're always branching off in these new directions and it really you always seem to relate your music to what was going on in your life at the time
1: all music to some degree is autobiographical uh you know the difference between dreams and and reality uh there's a huge divide there so of course yes i'm influenced the music is influenced by the places that i've been and and what i've seen uh, and there have been different kinds of albums that i've made Uh, it's not always been in a progressive direction that all-inclusive direction sometimes i've made acoustic albums um, and i happen to be working on one at the moment Uh, the idea of acoustic stroke orchestral to me has an aspect of soundtrack about it where You can allow yourself to be influenced by film music, uh, by classical music. It's wide open. I I don't wanna always feel that I'm a slave to rock and roll. I love rock and roll. It's fired me up so many times. And it's really, really great when all, all the worlds come together on, or all the schools come together on one particular album or one particular song. But it's not always the case. Sometimes you want to have a workout on acoustic guitar, or, for instance, when I made a blues album, I wanted to be able to explore um, playing harmonica as much as guitar. So 50% of that album was about the harmonica as much as, as, much as the
0: guitar. And you worked with some uh, really stellar musicians over the years, didn't you?
1: I've worked with some extraordinary guys, both in and out of Genesis. Uh, I've worked with so many people that um, I have to say I'm very proud that I, uh, that I did. Um, uh, people like uh, the late, great Richie Havens, Uh, The guys from Kansas, a ton of drummers who um, were absolutely fantastic guys like uh, Ian Mosley, Hugo Dagenhardt, Doug Sinclair, a fabulous bass player, Terry Gregory, fabulous bass player. So many of them. And Evelyn Glennie, an incredible um, girl percussionist who's hearing impaired, but has an OBE from the Queen. And I mean, they're fabulous people. And I did mention Richie Havens to start off with because... You know, he was a giant amongst singers the the Genesis guys were huge fans of his work a man who could just sit down and entertain you with an acoustic guitar or sometimes just with a hand clap from the audience laying down singing into the floor and the sound getting louder and louder filling the room, I mean extraordinary stuff I've never heard anything like the power of that, yeah I mean I think he had operatic lungs that guy extraordinary
2: The local radio it's sorry, time to go, but I don't sleep too well, where are those southern bells, trying to get a telephone line, through South Carolina, you'll call me. I won't use no fountain pen The lady isn't here The message wasn't clear She left an hour ago Screamed from the floor below How can I go on just singing this song? My car is out of gas again. Hurry home to see my friend. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you speak very, uh, very uh, warmly about working with him.
1: Oh, yeah, he was fantastic. It was like working with God. And God tried to please you very, very hard. And that was really quite wonderful for me. I I found those um, sessions thrilling and exhausting. I mean, just the man's energy. I always felt drained after it, but I always felt that I'd had a sort of masterclass in terms of emotional input and full commitment to music.
0: As you talked about a little earlier, and you talk about in your book, your solo career really had two two parts, the pre and the post Genesis revisited. And I'm wondering if you can talk, a little bit about how that album came about and what led you to incorporate the older genesis into your performances
1: i was in palermo in italy in, in sicily basically the capital,
0: and i was
1: doing a, a duo thing with with uh, julian kolbeck on, on keyboard so we were doing instrumental material and a guy phoned up the hotel he said oh, i'm down in the lobby i've got some albums would you mind signing them he had albums of just about everything I'd ever done, and so I signed all his vinyl albums. And then he had this other pile, and he brought them out sheepishly, and he said, "I don't know how you feel about signing these." And they, those were the Genesis ones. And I thought, "Oh, why the hell? Why would he think that I wouldn't sign those? Does he think that I've disowned them just because I've left the group?" And uh, I was talking, having signed them, of course, I was talking on the flight home to Julian. and and uh, and I said, "You know, uh." uh I wonder how people see this. And, and he said, well, you know, I've worked with Steve Howe quite a bit. He said, Julian had worked with Steve. And he said, I, I think that Steve Howe is probably seen as the heart of, of Yes. And he said, I suspect people see you as the same way with Genesis. And we started talking about the idea of doing some Genesis gigs. Uh, the album came first, the, the, live, the live thing came later. Uh, but both things were very successful. And um, I'm very glad that I went back to it.
0: Every Genesis fan I know is pretty glad you went back to it, too. And I think the balance of the solo work and the Genesis work creates a spectacular performance.
1: Oh, well, I'm glad you think so. I'm, I I very much like doing both. I, I tend to do either 50-50 or 40-60 uh,
0: of, of that balance. Now, people might be curious about where the title of your book came from.
1: I think you have to read the book to know about that.
0: It's a tantalizing title, isn't it? It's a great title. And my feeling is that you're kind of itching to get back on the road, aren't you?
1: Uh, Well, it's what musicians do. Um, I feel very comfortable on the road, usually, although it's physically demanding. Um, In other ways, it's a very simple life. You go on, you you confront your fear and your energy, and um, you come off feeling absolutely amazing um, when the audience has uh, really enjoyed it, which is
0: pretty much every night. Steve, what do you want people to know about this book?
1: Well, I think the whole book is is um, an attempt at being revealing, and uh, I wanted people to realise that I'm I'm human. I'm not some uh, robot or anything, and I, I've made lots of mistakes in life. But you know. Uh, that isn't the point I think I think making uh, mistakes is really important because I don't think you grow if you don't do that And I think the importance of risk is is hugely important so I would say that um, you have to take that on board if you if you want to break barriers
0: I, I want to say uh, it comes across in the book it's an absolute pleasure to read it tells us so much about you and your experiences and I can't thank you enough but I hope you guys can get on the road soon thank you so much Monty and all the best to you all right Steve well thanks again
1: Next.
2: Blues with a feeling that's what I have to do. Blues with a feeling, that's what I have to do. I'm gonna find my woman if it takes on day